welcome to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. You know, for 2022, I have got some really great topics lined up for you relating to the digital workplace. We're going to talk about how modern device management is really changing how people work remotely. We're going to talk about unified communication, the importance that it plays in the hybrid office. We're going to talk about experience management, XLA 2.0. We're going to dig into the mind of a hacker and much, much more. So I encourage you, if you haven't subscribed, please do so. I'd like to open this first podcast of 2022 with a very big congratulation to my listeners, because you have all implemented, I'm going to say, some of the biggest changes that your companies have probably ever had to make, and you've all been doing it at the same time. I mean, the level of change in in how we've had to work over the last two years has been historic. So now we're figuring out which changes to keep, what additional changes are needed. And you know what? Right now, I'm just going to stop using the word change. Change can, can be kind of lightweight. So instead of change, let's, for this podcast, use the word transformation. And I will say that nearly every organization is in the midst of a major transformation in how their employees do their job. And the reason I want to make this change is because a change, the word change, that can be forced on us, right? It can be inconsequential. It can just be something different, not necessarily better. I'm thinking about like the iPhone, you know, the new iPhone, it went from round edges to squared off edges. You know, they had squared off edges back with the 4S. So (laughs) that change is really just something different. Is it better? I'm not so sure. But transformation is intentional. It's thoughtful. It's with the expectation that now we're going to be able to do something better or faster or maybe something completely new. It's like when the first iPhone came out, that was transformational. The problem is, how many enterprises can actually declare success with their digital transformation? I mean, just before the pandemic, I was looking at a report from Forrester, and they reported that then, even before the pandemic, only 50% of enterprise digital transformations could be called truly successful, accomplishing what they wanted to at the start. So here's the question. How do we improve the odds for that hot digital transformation that we're working on right now in 2022? Well, you'll be glad to know that in today's Digital Workplace Deep Dive podcast, we're going to take a look at something that's been often overlooked, a secret ingredient, you might say, to a successful transformation. It's three letters, O-C-M, Organizational Change Management. So what is OCM and how is it such a powerful tool? Well, thankfully, I'm not going to be trying to answer that question myself. I've cornered two of the busiest people at Unisys, Mike Levine, who leads organizational change management globally for all of our transformation projects, and Jillian Oakes, who focuses on OCM delivery. Mike and Jillian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Weston. Hi, Weston. Thanks. So maybe, Mike, we'll start with you. Before we talk about change management as a whole, can you help us understand the difference between change and transformation? Absolutely. Change is really a different way of how we do things, how we execute things, and it implies how we do things differently around the technology, processes, things like organizational relationships, decision-making, and more. Whereas transformation is more about how we work together differently. Ultimately, it's a culture change and a new way of doing things, a new business as usual. So I started off with a kind of very basic uh, example, you know, using the iPhone of the difference between change and transformation. But but maybe, uh, Mike, you could give us an example, something more substantial that, that we might see in the business world between change and transformation. 
Oh, for sure. And a good example is if we're going to move from uh, Skype to Teams, that would be a change. We're essentially removing the old skin and putting on a new one. However, a transformation might be changing the support model from a heavy use of human support to something where we're using chatbots and automation. We could also use the example of moving from measuring IT services from a service level agreement to an experience level agreement. In both of these uh, examples, what you're transforming is how work gets done and you're not simply changing your skin. All right. I think that kind of sets the foundation for us here, Mike. So going back to something I said in the introduction, I was quoting from Forrester there, where prior to the pandemic, they said about 50% of transformation projects fail in their overall goals of, of you know where they can declare success. So what is missing, do you think, in these failed transformations? Well, I think a lot of times what's missing is when we're making a change that impacts how employees do their jobs differently, that's being left out. Because in order for the change to be successful, managers and leaders need to understand how their roles and their people roles in the transformation, what they look like, and then supporting those who really need to do their jobs differently and working differently. And this can be across the team, the group, an organization. What OCM does is create the journey. And according to ProSci, which is the global research arm of change management, 73% of successful transformations attribute project success to effective sponsorship and leadership. Okay, I think I'm going to declare my first aha moment here, Mike. When we're talking about digital transformations, sometimes the transformations can happen behind the scenes. A lot of times that's true with moving something, an app from a data center to the cloud, right? If I'm a user, I log in tomorrow and that app is in the cloud. Yesterday it was in the data center. I don't know any different. I don't have to do anything different. It can be successful without my participation. But in many other cases, especially when we're talking about a digital workplace, almost every change that I can think of in the digital workplace would require that the end users participate in order for that digital transformation to be successful. Am Am I getting it right? You are. And that's what we're talking about in change management is addressing what is the role of the sponsor and the people managers to enable the end users to actually successfully transform. You guys are getting it right. So I just want to add to that. I want to offer a contrasting example that almost every digital workplace transformation, it does affect your end users. And as a result, you'll likely you know, you'll need to include OCM as part of the transformation process in order for it to be a success. It's such a a key ingredient. And think about all the digital transformations that we've covered in this podcast, Weston, transforming call center type help desk to one that's based on AI automation to fix problems, moving, like Mike said, moving to a unified communication and collaboration platform like Teams and Zoom, and even going from a reactive support model to where you're proactively detecting and fixing end user problems. If you think about each one of these transformations, they absolutely require the end user's participation for the transformation to work. And the end users have to do things differently than they are doing today. So educating the end users, creating the desire within them to participate in the change is exactly what OCM is all about. This is huge because change happens at the individual level, hands down. It starts there. Let's dig into this a little bit, thinking about what would happen if we skip this step 
the steps that are involved with OCM to communicate the change, to give the training. What happens in that type of digital transformation in your experience, Mike? I can think of a global robotics uh, manufacturing company that I delivered change in not too long ago. Their solution was to transform um, their ERP from on-prem to cloud. And what they didn't do, they ignored the need to address how employees' jobs would be impacted. So their mentality was, let's build it and they will come. However, what happened was the program ended up requiring twice the original investment. And the schedule went from 18 months to 30 And think about that. Think about the end users that an ERP touches. For example, purchasing, sales, manufacturing, all of them had to change how they did their jobs and their relationships with each other with that change. But none of them understood how those changes fit together. So the technology side of the program was completed, but there wasn't any active visible sponsors who were driving the people side of change. And people managers didn't know enough about the change to actually prepare their direct reports and impacted employees because they weren't trained on how to do the job and their job was changing and they didn't have clear understanding of why the change was needed. All right. I think we can imagine the problem scenario. We probably lived through something like that, but let's try to fix it retroactive. You can go back in time, Mike, when would you have introduced OCM into that, that digital transformation process of moving the ERP system to the cloud? We're usually always in close integration with project management. So my answer there would be at the same time as project management. We should start at the very beginning when the project is initiated. Because when we establish the people's success factors and we understand how people's jobs are impacted as early as possible and also identifying where the resistance might be, then we can align the people side activities to the timeline to the project life cycle. Clean, I'm just wondering if there's some mistakes that you see people making when they try to roll out OCM? Let's say they're convinced, okay, I need OCM, but you see it done badly or maybe some shortcuts are taking. What what are some killers to successful OCM? (laughs) Um, And just layering off what Mike said, waiting too long. I've been in situations where OCM's been brought in and they wait two weeks before go live to bring us on. And the, the misconception there is they think, oh, we can just plug it in two weeks before go live to be successful. Um, it takes the time to work with the client, the employees, discover who all will be affected by the change, looking for those impacts, whose roles are changing and things like that. And what employees will have to do differently and figure out the best way to communicate to them, connect with them and attempt really you know, to reach each one of the impacted stakeholder groups. Any other uh, mistakes that you see that people make? Yeah, I think, well, I know they think OCM is just about communications. Communications is a good part of it for sure. But the mistake here is thinking that you can just use your corporate comms group to get the word out and informing that, hey, changes are coming, but they don't go into hooking the end user at the individual level. I worked with a manufacturing company and the head of IT looked at our OCM schedule and my planning and asked, you know, why do we need OCM for 14 weeks? We have our own corporate comms department. Why do we need you? And just sending out a few emails saying a change is coming on January 13th. It's not going to be effective. It's not. Now we know customization is needed to not just communicate the change to employees, but actually engage them and start them on the managed and measured path to adoption and utilization. 
Uh, can you give me an example of, of maybe a customer you work with? You don't have to name them, but maybe talk about some of the successful techniques that you've used. Yeah, I've got a great example working with a defense contractor. And it was right at the start of the pandemic. And this was mainly a workforce situation where everybody was on campus and COVID hit and they needed to move 22,000 end users to working remotely. And that's just a crazy number. And they had to transform so many things for this to happen. And their end users would have to make many, many changes, as you can imagine. And OCM was essential here. So historically, this client is, you know, a one-way communication, just email culture. And they were vulnerable and open to this, you know, collaboration and partnership. And they allowed us to be more innovative. And at the onset of the technical discovery, I went in and did some OCM kickoff sessions. I got to walk around the campus and see, I wanted to see how they work and how they were communicated to and and with and two-way communications, right? And I actually discovered that they're a highly visual organization, lots of signage informing employees, digital signage boards, signage in the elevators, signage in common areas. So ultimately, I empowered the folks I was working with in the organization to innovate on the fly. Let's meet people where they are. Some were still on campus, manufacturing, of course, and but most moved to remote work from home situations. Uh, it was a tall order. So in working with the CIO, we offered up the idea, truly innovative idea, to step away from this email and one-way communication culture and, and to do a podcast. And it was hugely successful for the CIO. And it became the mainstay of communicating IT changes for the new remote workforce, as well as upcoming IT service changes from the incumbent provider to Unisys. Using a podcast to communicate change. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, uh, Jillian, I love all these innovative ways. Uh, and, and also, you had, had to change and adapt. Now, I will say this. It sounds awesome. We all know that, you know, no project goes 100% according to plan. And if you're going to try to claim that's true, I think my listeners will definitely call you out on it. So, <laughs> you know, really, were there any bumps on the road along the way? And if so, how did you deal with them? Well, Yeah. Per the contract, the client did not want training for their impacted stakeholder groups, and they just felt it wasn't needed. And this client had 250 to 300 departments who had admin assistants that managed multiple departments. They logged all the tickets (laughs) as support for the people in their departments, right? This was a huge part of their role. And this was really the largest impacted stakeholder group. And their jobs were changing, but they had no idea how to fully use the new processes and tools. And so the client, like I said, initially, no training, right? So literally 75 to 80 admin assistants said, I don't know how to do this new process. And it was a major part of their job to support the people in their departments. And this is where I just want to connect the dots here, the hard pivot was, hey, wait a minute, we've got a major risk to go live success, major risk. And OCM was able to hard pivot, make a difference, and help the client recognize 
the need for more OCM services. And really the long and short of it is focusing on people and the technology and the impacts. That's that's what makes the difference. This highlights the importance of understanding what the key groups are and what aspects of their jobs are impacted by the change. But more importantly, ensuring those impacted groups are identified as early as possible and their risk of not changing is assessed. That, that makes perfect sense. And, and I'm thinking, too, about what you said, Jillian, about uh, you know the corporate culture was an email culture, right? Top down, we communicate, we say jump, you you say how high kind of thing. But I think right. another another mistake is simply thinking that communication just goes one way, right? From the leaders down to the rank and file workers. We're making this change next Tuesday. Here's how your job changes. Thou shalt do it. I mean, what what's wrong with that picture, Mike? In OCM, building communication on any transformation project must be a dialogue. And what I mean by that is not only do we communicate what is changing and why to the end users, but we also need to find out if they understand the change and if they're prepared to change. And from there, we create ways to drive that desire to change. We've talked, I think, at length here about the importance of communication, right? And giving training. You know, you highlighted that as well, Jillian, which I would say if everyone is a robot, that's probably good enough. You give commands and they're followed, right? But we're talking about human beings here. So if I've been paying attention to the the lessons that Mike, you and Jillian have been been giving me, OCM also focuses on creating desire for the change, you know, the human side of things. So, I mean, your goal in OCM is to make me want to make the change, which, I mean, if you can pull that off, it means the transformation is really going to be successful. So could you explain a little bit more about the importance of creating desire. And I'm going to say better yet, maybe you can give me an example as to how you actually do that. People change more often when they understand that what they are changing to is better than not changing. So an example is um, I was working with an insurance company a few years ago on their project to rewrite their existing underwriting system. And as part of that OCM strategy, we worked with a design team. And what we did was to drive that desire was to create several iterative walkthroughs of the changes on the front end for the impacted users to review. Not to test, not to uh, validate, but just so that they had eyes on it to review. That was a huge success and led go-live adoption measurements at 98%. The end users have to feel that they are heard, that they're partnered with, that they're supported. They get that sense of empowerment. The change is usually about technology, but you have to humanize it. Really most successful when you empower the end users and things you'll hear are, you know, wow, my company listens to me. They care about my end user experience and I've got skin in the game. I'm being asked to participate and step up and they listen to me. And now we have world-class IT service. And that is a successful transformation, and it it happens through partnering with OCM. I think you both are giving us a good idea as to what organizational change management means, the state of the art today. Maybe let's take a little peek into the future, uh, maybe the bleeding edge. What are some of the cool, I'll say cool communication techniques that you see being used or will be used more in the future? Well, there's a, a couple examples that come to mind, but number one, gamification 
And good example of that is a client of ours. Uh, it's a European animal feed company. And their rollout of a new support system that used chat instead of voice. And the gamification concept here was that every 50th person got a prize, right? So, you know, a company coffee cup or sweatshirt, things like that. And another example at an energy company, the first, you know, 25 people to use a new service successfully, they get entered into a chance to win a $50 Amazon gift card. So it's pretty cool. It pulls people in and makes them part of the process. And these techniques are especially important when you're making a major change in how end users do their jobs. Yeah, and you can take that gamification to the organizational level, too. For example, if you want to um, use gamification at a regional level, for example, EMEA versus USNC uh, or Teams, for example, sales versus in- engineering, you can do this month over month to have a continuous competition, not just one time during the rollout. That seems to work quite a bit. Well, Mike and Jillian, to close out this episode, I think our listeners would probably like to hear a couple things that an organization should consider doing as part of their next digital transformation to uh, make sure that they're they're going to not be in that 50% that fails <laughs> to be in that 50% that is successful. Can you each give me one tip that you would suggest, you know, an organizational act on? How much of the return on investment is dependent on the success of employees doing their job differently? When organizations can answer that question, then they'll know that OCM is needed. You know, gone are the days of flipping the switch on a technology solution and just leaving the end user community to figure it out or the client to figure it out. That technical team mindset, everybody pulling together and focused on the end user is very important. Great tips from two of our inside experts. Thank you. But I got to say, Mike, Jillian, (laughs) our listeners probably aren't aware, we've really had a hard time getting together to record this (laughs) podcast because... (laughs) Yeah, you've been so busy during the pandemic, right up through the end of the year, working with clients, helping them to use organizational change management to be successful, you know, in their digital transformation projects. So thank you so much for carving out some time for me and our listeners today. Thank you, Weston. Hey, thank you so much. Happy New Year. Now, you have been listening to two of our top experts on organizational change management. So as you think about your next digital transformation project here in 2022, I really, really encourage you to include organizational change management early in your project. Remember, if the transformation that you're planning involves your employees having to change how they do their jobs, then it's really only going to be successful if you've communicated what's changing, why it's changing, what their role in the change is going to be, why it's beneficial to them, why it's beneficial to the company. And and better yet, if you can actually create a desire for them to make that change, then you truly will be successful. This is the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. Thanks for listening.